Okay, hopefully it won't happen. Blog Talk Radio. week on the blog talk radio and affiliate networks this episode is brought to you by health innovation media monitoring and informing the journey to a sustainable healthcare economy welcome everyone i'm greg masters the producer and co-host of the show and joining me in the virtual studio is my colleague fred goldstein principal co-host and co-founder of pop health week hey fred Hello, Greg. It's a nice day here on the East Coast. How are you doing? We're doing great. We're having above average um, warm weather here in San Diego, so uh, no complaints. For those of you not familiar with Fred, he is a veteran healthcare executive and president of Accountable Health LLC, a Jacksonville, Florida-based consulting firm, and past chair and current board member of the Population Health Alliance, he is known on Twitter as at F.S. Goldstein. Fred's experience spans hospital and health system administration, HMO general management, and is the founder of a disease management company. My background includes thought leadership and consulting for hospitals, health systems, capitated medical groups, and MSOs. I publish and principally author ACOWatch.com, HealthInnovationMedia.com, and most recently, PrecisionMedicine.Center. Please follow me on Twitter via at two, the number two health guru. Today, we continue coverage of issues in the emerging population health space, including evidence-based best practices with key thought leaders, entrepreneurs, innovators, academicians, and best-in-class vendors. Our guest today is Neil Gordon, MD, PhD, MPH, Chairman, CEO, and founder of a company called Intervent. Intervent is a global lifestyle management and chronic disease risk reduction company based in the United States. Intervent develops, licenses, and provides evidence-based technology-enabled outcomes-oriented programs for the prevention and management of multiple chronic diseases. The primary purpose of the Intervent program is to improve individual and population-based measures of health while simultaneously reducing healthcare costs and increasing productivity. Dr. Gordon has authored over 100 published scientific manuscripts, eight books, and numerous scientific abstracts in the area of preventive medicine. Dr. Gordon served as an associate editor of the eighth edition of the American College of Sports Medicine Guidelines for Exercise Testing and Prescription, the world's most widely read academic text on the topic of exercise science. Dr. Gordon has devoted his entire career, spanning over 30 years, to the prevention of cardiovascular disease and other chronic illnesses. So with that introduction, Fred, help us to get this prolific author, to know this prolific <laughs> author and powerful physician, Dr. Gordon, and what he's up to at Intervent. Thanks so much, Greg. And Neil, welcome to the show today. Thank you. 
very much, Fred. It's a pleasure to join you and Greg. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, we're excited to have you. I've known you for a number of years now, and I think it's going to be great to share some of your wisdom with our audience. So maybe start out a little bit um, and talk about what it was that made you start Intervent. Fred, while at high school in South Africa, where I'm originally from, I became an avid middle-distance runner. And by the age of about 15 or so, I had already become very interested in exercise physiology and sports medicine. I specifically went to medical school because of this interest. Then in the early 1980s, shortly after finishing medical school, I helped start one of the first comprehensive cardiac rehabilitation programs in South Africa and quickly got to see firsthand how beneficial lifestyle intervention is not only from a primary prevention perspective, but also for chronic condition management. It was at that time that I made it my life's mission to attempt to optimize the health and quality of life of as many individuals as possible by providing them with access to evidence-based comprehensive lifestyle management and chronic disease risk reduction services. In order to accomplish that mission, I moved from South Africa to the United States in 1987. In the early 1990s, I collaborated with a group at Stanford University who had recently conducted a landmark NIH-funded study called the Stanford Coronary Risk Intervention Project, or SCRIP. I got together with the team at Stanford and attempted to see if we could take the approaches that were successfully used and modify them so that they could be applied on a more real-world setting on a wide-scale basis. And it was that, together with other research available at the time, that led to the development of Intervent, back in 1997. So what were some of those interventions that came out of that Stanford Risk Intervention Project? In the Stanford Risk Intervention Project, 300 patients with coronary artery disease were randomly assigned to either usual care, which was actually a very high standard of care in those days, or usual care combined with aggressive modification of multiple risk factors through a combination of comprehensive lifestyle changes, for example, regular exercise, correct nutrition, weight management, tobacco cessation, and also the appropriate use of risk reduction medications, for example, drugs to control cholesterol, blood pressure, and diabetes. The patients in the study were followed for four years when comparing the intervention group to the usual care group during the four-year period, there was a 39% reduction in hospitalization for clinical cardiac events and also a 47% slower rate of narrowing of diseased coronary artery segments as measured using quantitative coronary angiography. It was really the first study to show that you could modify multiple risk factors as part of a single program and achieve impressive results in terms of risk factor reduction. And that's the approach that we've tried to utilize, at least in our health coaching programs, providing a single program that addresses multiple behaviors, multiple risk factors, 
in multiple chronic conditions um, as part of a single program in an integrated way. There's been this this you know ongoing argument in the employee health or wellness space that these lifestyle approaches don't work or or can't achieve you know clinical type outcomes or or results that quickly. Yet you seem to, through this study, be saying that if you combine that with the appropriate medical interventions, you actually do get recognizable and real results on a clinical basis. That's correct. You know, we've learned over the years just how beneficial lifestyle management can be. For example, according to a November 2013 science advisory from the American Heart Association on Population Health, the elimination of adverse health behaviors related to diet, physical activity, healthy weight maintenance, and smoking would make it possible to prevent at least 80% of heart disease, stroke, and type 2 diabetes, and even 40% of cancers. The big problem, though, is that in order to achieve clinically meaningful benefits, programs have to be very well designed and well implemented. And that's a challenge that we face today because it's not always the case. And you'll have one program that will achieve really good results and then you'll have another program that doesn't and the entire industry will often be judged on the basis of the results of the program that was not effective. In 2013, I wrote an invited commentary for the journal Current Treatment Options in Cardiovascular Medicine. It was entitled Clinical Effectiveness of Lifestyle Management Programs, Importance of the Class Effect Paragraph, uh, Paradox. And I think it may be worth letting me take a minute or two to explain this important concept because it helps address the, the question that you've been asking. If you think of the pharmaceutical industry, it's well accepted that all drugs belonging to the same class of agents are not necessarily equally safe or equally effective. So, for example, we all know that as a class are very safe and very effective when it comes to lowering cholesterol. However, numerous studies have shown that not all statins are equally safe or effective. In fact, some statins have been withdrawn from the marketplace because of safety concerns. And it's because of this so-called class effect paradox that pharmaceutical companies have to do extensive research to prove the safety and effectiveness of a new drug before they introduce it into the marketplace, even if it belongs to a well-established class of medications. Like pharmaceutical agents, there is now evidence that the class effect paradox is also applicable to lifestyle management, wellness, and chronic condition management programs. What, what that means is that each program has to be evaluated on its own merits. Studies need to be conducted showing that a given approach works. And it's recommended that emphasis should be placed on the use of lifestyle management programs that have specifically been proven effective in peer-reviewed published clinical trials. We've now conducted about 100, um, well, we've published about 100 scientific abstracts and manuscripts documenting the benefits of our specific approach in a variety of different participant populations, and that includes 
data from randomized clinical trials and also data from independent third-party conducted research. So what you're saying is something we've been talking about for a while on this show and through blog posts, et cetera, that Greg and I have commented on is, this, is, is obviously you've seen one program, you've seen one program. But more importantly, I think what you pointed out and that I think sometimes gets forgotten by purchasers of healthcare who tend to be saying, okay, we've got to get these benefits, put this thing in for our employees, is there needs to be some, some real evidence behind that program, not just marketing pieces that say we have reduced this by X, which may be meaningless in, in how they got to that number. Correct. Really you know, that, that's quite correct. I'll give you an example, Fred. A number of years ago, we were approached by a leading academic institution. They had a wellness program that they were using with their higher-risk employees, and they'd heard about the Intervent approach, in particular our health coaching program, and they said that what they'd like to do is their own randomized clinical trial comparing their approach to the approach that we had developed and successfully implemented. They said um, that they didn't want us involved in data collection or data analyses. And in fact, we didn't see the manuscript that resulted from that study until it was published. And the manuscript was published in 2008 in the Journal of Cardiovascular Nursing. They took 133 higher-risk employees and they randomly assigned them to a program that they'd been using for several years or to a program that included lifestyle health coaching using those It was a one-year study. The main outcome variable was the 10-year risk of developing coronary heart disease as calculated using Framingham regression equations. At the end of the 10 years, uh, sorry, at the end of the year, the 10-year risk score had actually increased by about 4.3% in the individuals who were randomized to their program, and it decreased by 22.6% in the individuals randomized to our lifestyle health coaching program. And the difference between the two groups was highly significant. So that's taking two programs and showing that they can achieve very different results. It all boils down to how the program's designed and how well it's executed. So without giving away any of your secret sauce, what are some of the features in your program that allow you to get those kinds of results? Yeah, and we always asked that question. There isn't one single feature, as I think you're alluding to with the question. It's a combination of multiple factors. What we've done is we've attempted to take all of the core components that are necessary in order to provide an evidence-based program in a meaningful way and then implemented that in a carefully sequenced, structured fashion. And that goes from identification and risk stratification of individuals to the outreach process aimed at engaging them in the program to performing an appropriate intake assessment, having the data from the intake assessment go into a database that has hundreds of thousands of algorithms based on evidence-based medicine. The database generates individualized risk reduction goals for each individual together with an individualized action plan, which is a plan that we help the person implement one step at a time. 
The person then interacts with the health coach. The typical approach at the moment that's used is health coaching via the telephone, but it also includes video conferencing and other approaches such as secure online chat. The health coaches are guided by the computer database. They've all gone through a very formal, structured training program. There are a variety of different quality assurance processes in place. Uh, a variety of education modules that have been very carefully developed that are made available for participants. The services are provided as an actual program, not just a participant calling in or a coach calling the participant and doing whatever they both feel like doing. A very, a very careful sequenced approach is utilized in providing the coaching services. We've built in a lot of what's been learned about behavior change. Um, we don't rely on any one single major behavior modification strategy. Multiple approaches are utilized, such as adult learning theory, social learning theory, the stages of change model, motivational interviewing, something that we call single concept learning theory, where you focus on one major concept or behavior or skill at a time, but in a carefully sequenced, structured fashion. There's a formal tracking process in place to track individuals and enhance compliance. Along the way, individuals complete progress assessments and formal progress reports are generated. There's an approach that's incorporated into the program that's intended to help engage physicians and allow physicians to give input into goals and action plans and progress reports that are generated for patients. Uh, we we utilize a web application, which is very user-friendly for the participant and, as I mentioned, for the coaches. So it's a multitude of, approach, of approaches that are all incorporated into a single program. And I have to emphasize that this is no magic solution or silver bullet when it comes to helping people make and adhere to meaningful lifestyle changes. What we've done is taken a lot of what's been learned about behavior modification and incorporated it into a program that increases the chances that individuals will be successful. And on the basis of our published outcomes data, we are able to achieve meaningful results. Yeah, Neil, what I find most interesting as you walk through that list of services that you've integrated into your program is you would probably hear from most vendors in the space, very similar language wording approach, but it really gets down to the differences, what you put into each of those pieces and how you deliver those. And that's, and that I think is important for our audience to understand how you get those results. Most people will tell you, oh, we do an HRA up front. You know, we sit there and have health coaches and we use Prochaska and we've got a website and we measure this and that. But but I think it's important to look at the end of the day of those solid outcomes. And and that's Correct. what I hope you know, people get out of this it, for, in talking with you. You really have outcomes that have been done, random controlled trials, the gold standard of this. That, that's correct, and it's for that very reason that we've been selected to provide lifestyle management services, including telephonic health coaching, as part of two very large multi-center NIH-funded studies, um, one of which was recently completed and resulted in publications 
in journals such as the New England Journal of Medicine and Lancet. And another study which is currently in progress at the present time, which involves patients from 120 medical centers and was funded by the National Institutes of Health for about $39.5 million. We provide the telephonic health coaching services for all of the patients from all of the centers. And I believe that the main reason that we were selected to do that was the published data the, the, and the credibility that goes along with the programs because you're 100% correct in what you're saying and that's it's a big challenge that we face in this industry there are new vendors that come on board every day it appears that everybody's doing the same thing and it's very hard for employers health insurers and individual consumers to differentiate among the different programs it was also largely as a result of the published outcomes data, the credibility and the almost 20-year track record that we were selected as one of the partners for a major initiative that was recently launched by the prestigious almost 50,000-member American College of Cardiology. Called, it's an initiative called CardioSmart that's targeting employers, but more importantly, providers and their patients. And um, before we get to that, could you touch a little bit on, obviously you've done work in South Africa, work here in the United States. We have all of this cultural diversity. How have, do you see a difference in impact in those groups and how do you, how do you try to account for or improve those variations? We've attempted in our programs, in the program design and execution, to take into account multiple factors related to cultural sensitivity. We've adapted our educational modules that are used by the patients. We've also adapted our what we refer to as educational prompts, which are the lesson plans that go along with each module that the coaches use when providing coaches in certain instances, the computer-generated reports have also been modified. In working in um, different countries at the present time, for example, we do a lot of work in Canada as well as in the United States. We've incorporated uh, the, the guidelines from the, from the specific country into our database. We've published some data looking at different groups. So we've published some data as an example, looking at the effectiveness of the program in African Americans versus Caucasians, um, data looking at individuals who live in um, rural areas versus individuals living in larger cities. We've published some data evaluating the results of our programs in well-educated individuals versus less well-educated individuals. But cultural sensitivity is a is a big challenge. Again, you know, we've attempted to do all that we can to increase the chances that the programs will be more effective in different groups. Um, all of our materials are, as an example, available in Spanish in the United States and Canada. It's available in English, French, Canadian. We've provided coaching services to individuals in multiple foreign countries on multiple continents mainly as part of uh, initiatives with large multinational corporations. And we've actually trained health coaches, as an example, in 
um, not only the United States and Canada, but also in Angola, South Africa, Thailand, the Philippines, and certain other countries. Wow. And you had mentioned before I spun you off on that topic there on um, cultural diversity. You, You had mentioned your work with the American College of Cardiology and Obviously, there's a big push to value-based care and providers beginning to get involved in population health. So I think you're sort of one of the trendsetters with a population health program that you're now putting out with providers. Can you talk about what you're doing with the American College? Sure. There's several initiatives that we're involved in. There's an initiative that targets employers. There's an initiative that's made available through the cardiosmart.org websites in a more retail setting. And then there's an initiative that's been implemented in physician practices. And to me, that's the most exciting of the initiatives. Again, we are one of the partners involved in that initiative. There are a variety of different groups. The major services that we provide are part of a program called Cardiosmart on Call. The rationale behind that is that most physicians are very well aware of the benefits of lifestyle management and prevention, but generally they don't have the time, infrastructure, or resources to focus adequate attention on certain components of prevention, in particular lifestyle management. And even when they do, they typically don't get compensated at all, or they get compensated inadequately for that. So what we've done is we've developed an approach which really gives physicians very easy access for their patients to credible evidence-based programs and does it in a way which doesn't burden them or their staff with excessive work or overhead, but keeps them engaged in the process. Just as an example, we make it very easy for doctors to refer patients to the program They can refer through a variety of different approaches, through integration with electronic health records, through an app that's available on a mobile phone, or at the other end of the spectrum, just through simple fax referral forms. The doctor would be with the patient, would say to the patient, in addition to the medication I've just prescribed for your cholesterol, making lifestyle changes is very important. There's a program that's associated with our practice that I'm going to refer you to, They'll contact you and explain it, and I'd like you to seriously consider participating. They generate the referral. We contact the participant, explain the various options, and options range from just simply performing a free online health risk assessment to enrolling in online lifestyle management programs or enrolling in the telephonic health coaching programs. There is at the present time a fee associated with the online lifestyle management programs and telephonic coaching programs, but it's very inexpensive. Obviously, if it's performed as part of ACO-related initiatives, that's often built into the specific initiative. We explain the different options, enroll the person in the program, the doctor's notified as to the status of their patients, have they enrolled, haven't they? Whenever reports are generated for the patient, the physician and their staff are notified. They're able to log into a secure site, see the reports that are generated. They can provide input, um, just click send, and that then populates the notes for the coach so that the coach who's going to work with the person in the coaching program um, receives the input from the physician. Along the way, 
group aggregate reports are also generated for the physician. So we, we've started off using that approach and the actual approach has been expanded in a variety of different ways, trying to tap into services that can be provided in doctor's offices that are potentially reimbursable, for example, intensive behavioral therapy for obesity management and cardiovascular disease risk reduction and chronic care management services, and then also using the same types of approaches as part of value-based initiatives. That's impressive, and looking forward to seeing some studies. I'm sure you'll publish on that as well, or others will. Just in about the final 30 seconds or so, I guess we'll kind of reach our limit there. So let me turn it back over to you, Greg, and thank you again, Neil, for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Well, there you have it. Sorry to cut you off there. It was my intention. Wonderful conversation. Cross-cultural perspectives always, always fill out some of the questions in everyone's minds around some of these initiatives. So that will have to be the last word for today's broadcast. I do want to thank our special guest, Dr. Gordon, for his time and insights today. Love the accent. Do follow Intervent on Twitter via at InterRxVent. Yes, it's an egg at this point. And check them out on the web at www.myintervent.com. Until we meet again, let me just make note that uh, Fred and I will be at the uh, HIMSS conference beginning um, uh, the 29th of February through the 4th of uh, March. And also at the Population Health Colloquium, Dr. David Nash in the College of uh, Population Health at Jefferson from March 7th through the 9th. So do make a point uh, to uh, say hi to us if you're attending either of those pretty awesome events. So until we meet again... I'm Pop Health Week. For Fred Goldstein, this is Greg Masters saying bye now.